if God were to intervene to stop evils, if he doesn't intervene until after they've started, he's not really curing the problem. The problem is the human heart, but then we get into this place where we would have to have God intervening before we start the problem of evil. And it would have to be before we even think about it because that's where it's starting is in the will, right? In the desire. Professor Matt McAuliffe, he says uh, a lot in his counseling class that the most important thing you do when someone's going through suffering is you visit them and you sit with them and you don't say a word. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you give them a hug. Yeah. You cry with them, and you might need to do that for a day or a week, or you know. Or, and I think that's the you know for just at least we go we look at Job for like one verse. The friends are doing the right thing. Yeah, right. They, <laughs> they show up and they just sit with him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They mm-hmm. sit with him for I think a week. Yeah. And you're thinking, oh, this is this is friendship right here. They yeah. just sit with them in the ashes, and then they open their mouth, and then phew, it goes right, exactly. downhill yeah. really who, quickly. Who is this blast of wind? Exactly. Yeah. So, yep. Um, I think we're not very good at that. Mm, you know, we're not as a society, especially now with all the distractions. I think it takes. I think it's yeah, it's very important. I think it's it's feeling nearly impossible because um, we are so ultra connected with every wrong that happens you know, a couple of states away yeah. and um, we don't have the emotional energy or capacity or the yeah. time to be, um, to cry for everything. It's just, right. I just remember in 2020 seeing um, George Floyd and then um, Ahmed Ar- Arbery mm-hmm. and being just like, I was at work when I read that and just started, you know, just brought to tears Um as everyone, you know, the world was sh- shook by that, and then it became, so, you know, so political and everything. But um, I just remember thinking, man, this can't keep happening. Because I know this is so selfish, but I don't have time for this. <laughs> you yeah, know, I, 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 I know what you mean. It's, yeah, it's not just I, <clears throat> I don't have time with this with the flick of your hand. It's mm-hmm. I can't carry the emotional weight of all of this on my own. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I was just thinking about this today. I have mm-hmm. a friend who used to work as a detective, mm-hmm. and it was how it was child trafficking and and i i was looking at him like how do you deal with this every day and it's it's for a period of time Mm -hmm. it's sort of like the introduction to being a detective you might be getting this wrong but it's like they start you off with the worst most horrible thing see if you can do it and then you move on to other things it's like a you know the freshman and he had training Mm -hmm. to prepare for it and counselors and therapists to help him deal with the fact of it because no human being can carry the weight mm-hmm. of that difficulty mm-hmm. right now. That's an extreme case, mm-hmm. but it made me realize is that I mean, there's videos of this stuff. Yeah. There's videos of the shootings. There's videos. We have videos of all of it mm-hmm. and it, millions of people are watching it and we're being exposed to these extremely difficult things that professionals who do it as a job, they take time off. They yeah. have mental health days. They have therapists who are trained to help them to deal with the weight of the difficulty to help them process it. Mm-hmm. And we're just looking it up on Twitter, right? seeing it. And I think it takes some self-motivation for me. Mm-hmm. There are some I will not. It says, watch here, warning, graphic. Right. Skip. Okay? Yeah. It's not because I'm not tough enough or whatever. Yeah. It's because there's a disconnect between the emotional weight of it's because I am a human being. Yes. <laughs> it's because I can't carry the emotional weight of it and I can't do anything about it. There's yeah. a disconnect. You know, there's, I feel so strongly about it, but I can do nothing about it. Mm-hmm. There's a, 
in the disparity of those mm-hmm. two is my emotional grieving right. that I can't handle. Mm-hmm. And I need to bring, I need to level those out. Yeah. And so I can pray. Mm-hmm. I can donate to causes. Yeah. I can advocate in my teaching and my writing. Mm-hmm. But um, I can be a good dad and a good husband. Right. And, you know, I can love who I can love. Mm-hmm. I think that we're, uh, at least especially my generation, we're starting to think that there is something we can do about it. And it's like posting a status on Facebook, you know, mm-hmm. and about I'm really mad about this, mm-hmm. you know, thing, this gun control or whatever it is yeah. and police, defund the police. So we think that, oh, you know, something happens far away. Now I, I have a voice that can go that far, you know, social, you know, social, with social media. But it's really not actually helping. It's just busying. Right. It's just making more noise. I think that that's something I'm going to talk with the high schoolers about tomorrow is Jesus didn't tell you, go change the world. He said, you know, love your neighbor. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. <laughs> he said, I'm going to go change the world. Uh-huh. <laughs> right. But you're one by one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah. So it's it's the be being present where we are, mm-hmm. you know, because if if something tragic happens in Medford, Oregon, we can get involved, you know, we can uh, at least, you know, go there and sit with them and pray with yeah. them. Mm-hmm. Um, but when something happens far away, yeah, yeah, I'm glad that I at least am able to know and be praying about it, but I shouldn't get it into my mind that I'm, I'm the solution by... You, yeah, you are not the savior of the world. And that's mm-hmm. teaching high school for 10 years. It's kind of an education thing to sort of build them up. It's like, you know, and there's the last hoorah graduation right. speech. It was like, now you're ready. Go <laughs> out. And, and then they get out and they realize no one really, not a lot of people really care. Yeah. And uh, nobody's there to congratulate them. And uh, it's hard. The workplace is difficult mm-hmm. and it's a dog eat dog. And it is that expectation that um, I'm going to change everything. And there's a wake up call in that process. And there's an adjustment that's made. And maybe if we gave them more realistic expectations about mm-hmm. what they're going to find to match the level of their energy and their pursuits to yeah. what they can actually affect, mm-hmm. then there, it would be less emotionally burdensome for them and more productive. Yeah. And they would honestly just be more successful as parents and friends and being active in their community because they're content mm-hmm. with what they're able to actually yes. do and achieve. Mm-hmm. Yeah, something uh, Kenner, my pastor, always says is start small, build slow. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just starting in a in a small way. Yeah. You know, just instead of these explosions of passion yeah. that fizzle <laughs> fizzle yeah. out. You know. Right. Um, you know, I I don't know why I always think of this. My favorite person in history is benjamin franklin i just really yeah. like benjamin franklin yeah. and you know he's it's fascinating he's fascinating he's like the the uh i don't know like this cornerstone of human potential almost you yeah. know he's just done so much and changed so much but he didn't do it by uh by these it was just slow you know mm-hmm. he he started working at his brother's newspaper in philadelphia mm-hmm. He started getting good at working in the newspaper. He got involved in local politics. Philadelphia was too small. He goes to Boston. You know, you mm-hmm. just kind of build slow and build slow. And now we think of him as he invented the library. You know, he invented yeah. the uh, fire. Uh, what is it like? The, um, uh, A wood stove? It, well, was it? Yeah, no. I was thinking of um, 
firemen what do you what do you call the system of firemen <laughs> what am i so blanking a fire station like a fire right? station okay, yeah. yeah basically there was all these fires yeah. breaking out in philadelphia right. and so he created a place where firemen actually had jobs and they yeah. would live there and then they go and you know all these different things and I, if i get corrected i understand because it's been a long time since i read my history yeah. book um but he basically he changed all of these things for yeah. america and um it wasn't by you know like i just said it wasn't just by these giant um, proclamations, but by just working slowly at yeah. something and getting good at it and thinking of little ideas and trying them out. And, you know, the first library was him and his best friend were sharing books with each other. Mm-hmm. And he thought, well, why don't we rent a space? We'll put these books in a, on a shelf and other people can use them. Yeah. And here we know we have libraries in every city in America. Yeah. I don't know. So, <clears throat> yeah, well, I think a lot of, we're kind of fed the curated, life right mm-hmm. we see on twitter we see what's been curated as a presentation of what someone's achieved in movies and tv mm-hmm. shows it's all yeah. curated to portray um the outcome and, and a little bit of what took it took to get there but yeah. reality is there's a, there are a lot of days that are lonely a lot of failures and yeah we have to be careful of that and i mean bringing it back in the big picture of thing we're, we know the great curator right mm-hmm. he's the one that's achieving all of it in a very big picture sort of mm. way. And we're a small part of that. And it's been quite humbling for me in writing a book. I'll give you an idea of, of what the kind of process this was mm-hmm. for me. So I worked at um, the Fuller Library. They have a half million books down in wow. a few levels of their basement. Yeah. They had some space at the end, and it was my job to intersperse that space throughout the whole collection. So I had to move every single book. It took me 13 months pick up a few books, move them over. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I, I thought, you know, someday I want to teach and want to yeah. possibly write a book or something. Mm-hmm. And it yep. was like, suddenly the spirit told me, he's like, how many of these authors can you name? Wow. And I was like, mm, maybe a couple dozen. Yeah. I knew nothing about the authors beyond what they were useful mm-hmm. to cite for my paper with a few exceptions, you know? Yeah. And, and, uh, and I thought maybe that's the best I ever achieve. I end up on a library shelf that a student uses for a paper someday. And to think about what it, what all of this is for. Okay? Mm. If that's the case, then why am I doing what am I why I'm doing? Yeah. I'm doing it because I'm telling the truth. Mm-hmm. Because I've seen something that God's shown to us that nobody's written about. It's not on record yet. Mm-hmm. And the more we have on record about how awesome how awesome God is, mm-hmm. the better. Yeah. And so it's orienting around. It's not about glory for myself. It's yeah. not about achieving you know this person i saw this on instagram they got the oh if only i could be a bestseller and mm-hmm. putting all this pressure you know on ourselves to yeah. to achieve what the dream is and understand well in the big scheme of things what is the place mm-hmm. of this and when we think that god is watching every single thing that we do and taking account of it and a lot of it done in secret is what will be rewarded for the integrity the ways that we conduct ourselves in a business without anybody knowing mm-hmm. the way that we're a parent and a husband and um, the amount of work that takes place in the background for teaching a class, you know, mm-hmm. those are all little ways that we're faithful that nobody will give us credit for. Yeah. But God mm-hmm. sees and somehow is including it in the big plan of the recreation of everything. Mm-hmm. And that's, I mean, that's what we're oriented around as Christians. Mm-hmm. We need to be, I think, steering towards. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's powerful. Man, we got we got off. That's my fault. We got off track, but I really <laughs> no enjoyed worries. that. <clears throat> um, it's fun. It's fun to see how these conversations evolve. You know, yeah, just, they go like, how they need to. Right? Exactly, they yeah. go where they need to, and I think it's it's 
good we're talking about things that are relevant to just today you know mm-hmm. and, and well of course the problem of evil is very relevant <laughs> to yeah. today mm-hmm. um <clears throat> i, I want to rewind real quick because something uh you know christians usually they usually defend god and the problem of evil with the free will argument mm-hmm. um <clears throat> and I'm I'm curious. What are your thoughts on the free will argument? Is is it you know, because I think it's it's like the, um, it's it's the easy one. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's right. like it's the one everyone knows, even if they don't really know the mm-hmm. the problem. It's just well, you know, it, it, how can you have, how can you have uh, good and evil without the choice? You know, and so something C.S. Lewis says it's like if if I try to hit you with a stick and then it all of a sudden turned into uh, grass. Right, you know, the, and so God is in, you know, interjecting, and he's he's changing this into something that's not going to hurt you. Um, did I am I really swinging the stick at you at all? You know, right. like I didn't yeah. really have the choice. Well, and does it really cure the problem of the mm-hmm. motive that exists within the heart to want to swing the stick? Right, mm-hmm. and that's uh, I bring this up as well as try to carry this out logically. Is if God were to intervene to stop evils, if He doesn't intervene until after they've started, He's not really. Mm-hmm. curing the problem yeah the problem is the human heart but then we get into this place where we would have to have god intervening before we start mm-hmm. the problem of evil and it would have to be before we even think about it because that's where it's starting is in mm-hmm. the will right in the desire so all of a sudden we got god intervening and making us trip and have heart attacks and go blind and all these random situations mm-hmm. we don't even know why right yep. so it's on a practical level right not not to be insensitive but just to think through it logically um, it, it gets kind of absurd because then you, you're asking God to do what you think, but mm. he's very, he's wise, right? He understands. Yeah. So going back to the free will argument, then I think Plantinga's the one that's brought this forward in the 1970s and it's called the free will defense. It's mm-hmm. not a theodicy because it's mm-hmm. not creating this whole justification of why God allows evil, but mm-hmm. why it was allowed in the first place, the free will defense, it works very mm-hmm. well. It's logical. And it was pretty much conceded within the philosophical community that Plantinga won the day. Mm-hmm. Um, so it works as a defense. What I've done is taken it and say, okay, free will, he gave us the ability to choose and the freedom to choose for what, why? And so I've placed that within the overall plan. And that's what I'm talking about. Have you gotten to chapter three yet with the yeah. tree, the tree and the, and the, the knowledge of good and evil in the garden. The thing, the question that started all of this path for me is why would God put the very tree that's going to destroy the whole plan in the center of the garden? Cause mm-hmm. the center is the place of prominence, right? Wow. Yeah. And so the, what he was doing was giving Adam and Eve an opportunity, a free opportunity to continuously choose him because the whole point is that creation was an environment in which two very different creatures could exist, God and humanity. And the relationship between God and humanity was going to be um, the foundation for sort of the, the success of that good mm-hmm. place, right? Yeah. So the, and the only way that that can happen is that Adam and Eve were freely choosing to love him as God. He's distinctly God. They're distinctly human. That distinction is maintained, right? The way that it was maintained was here's a beautiful fruit bearing tree, right? You've said it was beautiful. It had good fruit to eat and Mm -hmm. it was good for wisdom. There's nothing ugly. There's no deterrent about it in the tree. So there's no reason to not eat from the tree except that God told them not to. And so every day they walk by it, they would be using their free will to obey him. Mm-hmm. And when they do so, he would be God 
they would be his children and he would be their source of life. Yeah. And so the rest, of course, we know the rest of the story. Satan then tempts them and his temptation is shot directly at that point. Mm. He says, you will be like God, knowing good and evil, right? So the temptation is to break the distinction between them and God. And they say, oh, we can lift ourselves Mm -hmm. up to him. Everything God calls up creation, right? He starts with the most basic thing, light, and then he brings in the elements and he sort of calls up creation. Adam and Eve tried to call themselves up to the level of Mm -hmm. God when he told them not to. He said, you will surely die. And so they rejected his distinction by trying to make themselves God using their free will, that free decision, right? Yeah. But the story goes on. Instead of, again, God is forward-looking to a solution, he immediately begins to enact a solution by promising Christ, slaughtering the animal, Mm -hmm. covering their shame with his righteousness, with his provision, right? And uh, I should say, it's a preview of him covering, you know, with his righteousness. But the turning back to the cross, the second tree, happens in the will. He predestines us, right? But there's also the call to follow him, to be obedient. And again, you hear Jesus talking about, if you um, are my children, then follow, obey my commandments. And my commandment is this, love one another, right? So the restoration of the community happens through placing him as our distinct God back in his place. And we follow him, we submit ourselves to him. And Jesus exemplified that in the garden. Despite all of his feelings and the stress that it was coming, he exemplified perfect and complete submission to the Father in the Garden of Gethsemane as a, uh, as a part of bringing about, um, you know, his, um, his sacrifice for us, yeah. his atonement, his propitiation, a word I was trying to think of, but mm-hmm. also as a model for us and what it means to restore the, the father-child relationship, put mm-hmm. him back in his place, mm-hmm. honor him as God, and now we are able to do that in Christ. Wow. So yes, the free. I do think the free will defense is useful, and I think that the free will defense fits within the larger framework of what's going on mm. um, and God's overall plan to ultimately solve evil. Mm. Well said. Wow. Thank you. Yeah, we, we've actually covered some of my notes already. I was, you know, looking into it, like the emotional problem of evil, and we were talking about, you know, just what evil does to people, you yeah. know, and how to sit with them. And um, is it, so there's an intellectual and an emotional. Is there, are there any other aspects of the problem of evil? Yeah. There's the physical, right? The natural mm-hmm. world, uh-huh. the physical world, which we kind of talked about with the Lisbon earthquake. Right. right. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, different philosophers have different ideas about like we talked about, if God was to intervene and stop, natural phenomena from happening mm-hmm. um, it would just become kind of ridiculous it's a matter of perspective for example i gave the example of the mongols invading japan mm-hmm. the japanese think the wind was very useful in stopping the mongol hordes you know and mm-hmm. so we get to this place where we say well you can stop those natural disasters mm-hmm. but not these ones yeah. and then you know some <clears throat> someone drowns in a pool of water not not to be insensitive to anyone out there but right to, uh, so does God create a force field? Does he give us the ability to breathe underwater? You know, it's just right. philosophically, it gets kind of absurd when we Messy. start to think of how he might intervene. And so what we do again is we place that understanding that this world is cursed, right? So I will make a point that 
it's not like it's out of God's control. And he's like, whoops, I guess there was a tornado. Mm. In Romans 8, it talks about he's the one that placed the curse on creation. Now, right. it was Adam and Eve's fault, right? Mm-hmm. But in placing the curse, he's creating these limits, right? But he, again, for anybody out there, was like, well, then that's his fault. Again, he entered into it and suffered from it himself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And his solution follows that path. And yes. if you want to know what he's doing, then you got to look at Christ because he entered into it himself and enacted it so but he does right and and the times that he does intervene he like you said he stops the storm storm mm-hmm. he displays his power he intervenes by healing people mm-hmm. resurrecting people right he's engaging and in, in with people who are suffering from these things but it's always revolved around the promise that he's making and looking forward it's about the restoration of the community mm-hmm. right so if you look at his miracles and his actions it's about a display of his power for the sake of people to be restored back into a community, but especially the kingdom of God. Mm-hmm. And so miracles revolve around that. And I think that they still happen today, mm-hmm. right? And that's, um, of course, we can pray for those things and hope. And I've experienced some of those things. We experience healings and yeah. we can get caught up in why did he do it this time and not that mm-hmm. time? And I don't know for sure, yeah. specifically, you know, and people will ask that question. I said, I don't know, but let's pray and mm-hmm. ask God why. Yeah. And I'll, I'll enter into it with you. Mm-hmm. And I know the big answer is because of his ultimate plan of redeeming people, right? Yeah. And then creation through yeah. his community, right? But individually, I, I don't know. And sometimes I'm kind of surprised because I really thought he was going to do this or that. Mm. And uh, I'm disappointed. And I honestly, I think it's okay that we come to God and say, I'm disappointed. I'm frustrated respectfully, you know, we're not cussing at him or something, but joining together with other people in the community and just being real with God and saying, look, this is really hard for me that you didn't answer my prayer. Right. And by the way, not, I would not especially immediately say, well, it's because you didn't have enough faith. Oh Uh, yeah. I mean, that's just (laughs) insult to injury, you know, literally. And that's, Mm -hmm. I would, I have eliminated that Mm -hmm. explanation from my you know responses i completely agree i think that that response should be eliminated yeah pretty. right but i mean yeah. it's there biblically he talks about yeah. you this <clears throat> happened because you believe but there's a, i think a different thing right. going on there and it's really not appropriate well i i would say paul was a pretty good believer and he prayed for the thorn to be taken away from his mm-hmm. foot from his side and that didn't happen. Yeah. you know god said hey no my grace is sufficient for you mm-hmm um, this this is interesting. That my so my brother's a cancer survivor. I think mm. maybe I told you this before. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he wasn't given very much time to live, and he's alive today. But we right. had fam- my f- we had family friends who had a son the same age with the same cancer, and he passed away. Mm. And they uh, amazing Christians. Uh, you know, we were all praying together. We had friends praying for both of us. Um, we met probably met them at or- uh, OHSU in Portland. Yeah, <clears throat> and. Like you said, it's in that situation, you you don't say, "Oh, well, you know, we had more faith." Yeah, you know, that's yeah, just not no. okay at no. all. And no. and that family, um, you know, just I, I know that they, they're amazing. They've glorified the Lord through it. Um, but it's just, I think there is at the end of the day, uh, we you know, like think look at Ecclesiastes. We live in a world that there is just chance, you yeah. know, and things. Things happen, things don't happen. The rich man or the 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 righteous man dies. 
He said, uh, the writer says, I looked at the world and here's what I see. The righteous man perishes and the wicked man or yeah. the, uh, thrives. Mm-hmm. He says, I don't know why this is happening. It's just mm-hmm. the way it is. Yeah. Um, you see that over and again in the Psalms mm-hmm. and, uh, and immediately he always, however, God, you are awesome. You are mm-hmm. sovereign. You are the provider. You are the judge, you know, yeah. you are glorious. And yeah, I, I feel the same way. And that's in those situations. I don't know. I remember mm-hmm. I was a chaplain in the cancer ward down in when i was in pasadena Mm. and um when people would ask me that question at first i'd feel nervous but as time went on i felt okay saying you know i don't know specifically Mm. why in your situation yeah but i'm really happy to pray with you and sit with you because I think that's what the only thing I know for certain is that God does want to be with us and help us carry it. God I know of that. Comfort. Yeah. I know that, right? Mm-hmm. And eventually, He may, um, He may reveal why. And I do think He's sovereign over everything, right? I don't think He's out of control. I, I'm not an open theist. Okay, I think He sees it. I, yeah. I don't know how the timelessness thing works, where He's outside of time and He knows the different options and possibilities. Right. That's also beyond me. Mm-hmm. But um, again. I think we have an, I know we have an incarnate God who knows what it's like to mm. suffer, even yeah. Yeah. lose a child. That's, mm. it's even hard for me to say I have children. It's like emotionally, I can't even say these things. Yeah. It's too hard, but I know that that's true. Mm. Um, and I know that God can empathize with our pain and that happens in the spirit mm. and it happens in the quiet right? and yeah. allowing ourselves um, to feel it and mm. to pray in mm. faith, believing, yeah, and then to be okay, not knowing, and asking him to walk yeah. with us in it. Amen. And to supply him. I think that's a great stopping point. You know, just, you've summed it up really well. You've, you've made a good case for your book. Okay. Uh, which I wanted to mention also. Um, I'm listening to it on Audible. It's The Present Evil Act of God. Can the world, or can this world's evil ever be resolved? And everybody's really liked the audio. I really yeah. liked the way he read it. Yeah, the so, narration—the yeah. narration is really good. Yeah. Uh, it's really phenomenal. I've 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 had books that you would hope would have good narration. You know, like yeah. this is trash. Mm-hmm. And the, this, I think it's Blackstone, right? Mm-hmm. Publishing. Yeah. They've done an amazing job. So if you're like me and, and listening to a book is how you understand a book for yeah. me, you know, mm-hmm. it's like I look at the pages and they all get jumbled. But listening is really helpful. Yeah. Check it out on Audible, um, and uh, or or if, if it's anywhere else, I'm not sure. Um, yeah, any last things you want to add? Uh, I think we covered a, a pretty good gamut there. Yeah. Um, but I would encourage everybody that, again, he is active, mm. right? When I say present evil, this present evil age, but he's an active God. And it's it really is in the person of Jesus that his activity starts and ends. And everybody, I think, struggles with this. Mm. And that... You know, as cliche as it might be, the Sunday school answer that we have, well, it's about Jesus. It really actually is. Mm. That's the starting point for what he's doing. Look to him to understand it and keep going. Keep learning more. Keep walking with him in it. And he will join you, join with you in it and um, bless you in it as he has with me. Yeah. Amen. Thank you, Jared. Mm -hmm. Thank you for having me. Yeah.